Welcome to the Family Bible Journey. If you like our podcast, check out our website, familybiblejourney.com. That's familybiblejourney, all lowercases, no spaces, dot com, where you can find more resources, links to our social, contact us, or support our ministry. Thanks for listening. This is episode three, season one of the Family Bible Journey Old Testament podcast. Today we're looking at Genesis chapter 3. The title of today's podcast is Confusion and Promise. Now before we get into the text here, I want to just let you know how this podcast is going to operate because I'm not going to read the text for you. No, I want you to read the text on your own. There's something different that happens inside of your brain when you read something and it helps you comprehend what is put before you. And also for those of you who are journaling through the Bible with us, when you journal, Something about taking what is entering through your eyes, processing through your brain, and then coming out through the pen at your hand, whether you're journaling for yourself or for a loved one, there is very real value in that. There's something that I learned when I was in seminary, and that was if I just took notes in a class, I remembered and I was able to comprehend so much more than if I just sat there listening passively. And so I encourage you as we're going through this to read the text for yourself. Never take what I say about the Bible or what someone else says as God's honest truth. Rather, look at yourself, think of yourself, let the Holy Spirit work through God's word because that's what he works through. He doesn't work through my voice. I can be a, maybe a help in understanding or maybe help things make sense in your brain, but really it is the Holy Spirit working through God's word that is important for us. And so as we get into this very important chapter in Genesis chapter three, I want you to read it for yourself and encourage you that as we go through this journey through the Bible, as we're journaling through the Bible, that you would read these texts for yourself and learn these lessons for yourself. And in Genesis chapter three, we have the temptation. And Satan's playbook hasn't changed a single dot, jot, or iota since he tempted Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. There are four steps in the temptation that have not changed in the thousands of years since humanity first fell into sin. And those four steps in the temptation are number one, questioning the word, number two, doubting the word, number three, denying the word, and then number four, disobeying the word. And so in Genesis chapter 3, The serpent simply questions the word of God. And Eve, when she responds to the serpent, she doesn't respond with God's exact words. No, she adds to God's word. We can see that already Eve is falling if she hasn't already fallen. And any time that we add to or subtract from God's word, we are guilty of sin. Once she is questioning God's word and doubting the word, then the serpent outright denies the word. When Adam and Eve disobey the word of God, then sin is born And the world, this wonderful, beautiful Garden of Eden creation that God had made is set on a completely different trajectory than what was originally created. And now Adam and Eve have a problem. And they can sense this problem within themselves because the second that they fell into sin, they lost that likeness of God. They were no longer like their creator. And they they clearly would have felt that inside of themselves. But they don't have yet the promise of salvation. They don't have the promise of forgiveness. All they have is sin and God's threat that if they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they would die. And they knew that they were going to die and they were afraid. So Adam and Eve try to deal with their sin in four different ways apart from God. And if you read the narrative, you'll see the four different ways that they tried to deal with their sin apart from God. Number one is they tried to cover it up, you know, making those fig leaf loin cloths that were undoubtedly a fashion statement of the time thinking that God wouldn't notice that they were no longer naked. I don't know exactly what they were thinking, but it clearly didn't work. Then they tried to hide from God. Then they lied about why they did what they did. And then finally, they tried to blame. And I am going to read for you verse 12 when it comes to blame and who it is that Adam blames for his sin. It says, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. Listen very carefully what Adam said. 
The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Adam is not blaming Eve for sin. Adam is blaming God who gave him Eve as his companion and helpmate and the love of his life, the one who completed him. He blames her, but in blaming her, he's actually blaming the God who gave her to him. And this is still the same today. It is not easy for us as human beings. I would say it takes a miracle of faith for us to be able to confess our sin, to come clean with our sin with God. And we can only do that if we understand that in God and in Christ Jesus, we have the promise of forgiveness. And so now Adam and Eve have tried everything that they can do to deal with us and apart from God. None of it worked. And so now God springs into action on their behalf and he speaks to the serpent. And in cursing the serpent, God is giving Adam and Eve the promise that he is going to rescue them, that he is going to redeem them from the evil that they've fallen into and from the sin, from the, the deceiver, Satan, and ultimately from death by destroying these unholy three, sin, Satan, and death, that oppose them, are working against God and his purpose, and want to ruin and destroy everything that God has created, beginning with Adam and Eve. Listen to what God says to the serpent in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. I have this passage highlighted in red, green, and blue. I have red kairos around offspring, this bruising of the head business, and this bruising of the heel business, because Jesus is the one who was promised in this passage. And we don't say that just because, as Christians, we know how the story is going to end. But when God gives Adam and Eve this promise, he promises that it's going to be the seed or the offspring of a woman. And there is one thing that makes the conception of Jesus unique from every other natural-born human being. Adam and Eve, they were simply created. Adam from the dust of the earth. Eve was created from Adam's side. Every human being since then was naturally conceived, man and woman. But we know that Jesus in his conception was supernatural, that he was the seed or the offspring of a woman, but not a man. And so God is telling Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, before he kicks them out, that he is going to save them and that this savior, this offspring that is going to come from a woman is going to be born of a woman, but not a man. And so we see right here in Genesis chapter three, still in the garden, that God is promising that he's going to send his own son, Jesus, to be born of a virgin to be the one who is going to crush the head of the serpent. And while he crushes the head of the serpent, his heel is going to be bruised. Now, this is metaphorical, of course. We know that a crushing of a head, that is a, a life-ending injury. Now, there's no coming back from that. And to have a bruised heel, uh, I don't know if you've ever had one or not. I'm a runner. I like to run. And so when you get a bruise on your heel, it's, it, it's really difficult and it hurts every time you take a step, but you can get over it. It's something that will heal over the course of time. And we know that Jesus, he was wounded for our transgressions, that he was broken for our sin. And yet it wasn't the end of Jesus because he would rise in the third day. And so even though Jesus truly suffered and truly died, we know that that injury that was caused as he took our sin on himself, as he destroyed sin, Satan, and death for us, that was for him, not the end, but it was the end for Satan and for that unholy three who oppose us and our salvation. And so I've got that passage highlighted a whole bunch. And I have a note on this, Genesis 3.15, and it's all caps. Whenever we do a, a words of wisdom section, uh, little, little pithy sayings that may be a summary of what is presented for us in a text or an application point from the text. I like to use all caps for those. And on Genesis 3.15, I have this note. Genesis 3.15 is the key to understanding the rest of the Bible. God keeps his promise of life and love in the Savior. The rest of the Bible, friends, is going to be God fulfilling that promise 
for Adam and Eve. And before he sends them out of the garden, he he curses them. He gives them consequences for their sin. Their life is going to end. Their physical life is going to end. But before sending them out into the cold, harsh world that is now a fallen world, we are told that he clothes them. This is the first animal sacrifice. God is going to be the one who sacrifices an animal, and he clothes Adam and Eve with the skins of the animal to protect them from the harsh environment that they're now going to be living in. And this is going to become the basis of the Old Testament worship life as these bloody sacrifices for the forgiveness of sin are going to become the pinnacle. They're going to become the highlight. They're going to become the focus of the worship life of God's people. And all of these sacrifices of these innocent animals that are slain so that the sin of God's people can be forgiven are pointing us forward in time to Jesus Christ, who is going to fulfill all those Old Testament sacrifices and become for himself that once and for all sacrifice for sin. And so there is so much that is going on here in this passage. You know, work is hard. Childbearing is difficult. You know, I think that before the fall into sin, that as difficult as childbearing is for women now, that it was that enjoyable and wonderful for them before the fall. Too bad Eve never got to experience that. But this whole chapter puts in place so many things that we're going to see playing out that I really hope that you pay attention and, and take a look at it. And, and as if you are one of the ones who is journaling with us through the Bible, it's good to leave notes in here about confession. It's good to leave notes in here about how it is that human beings try to deal with their sin apart from the Savior, because this is life. And these are the same struggles, the same temptations, the same trials that we feel playing out in our souls each and every day as we as God's people, sinful though we may be, struggle and fall victim to sin and in confusion, sin against God and hurt the people that God has placed into our life. And so this chapter, Genesis chapter 3, is so important for us. And I pray it is a blessing to you and that as you are reading it, you take time to really reflect on how these realities play themselves out in your own soul and see God working through it all to rescue and redeem you because of his great love for you. Our blessing for today. When you act in confusion and sin, may you find hope and forgiveness in God's promised Savior who died in your place on the cross so that you may live with him in love now and forever. Amen.